Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. I'm Simon Kraft, and who's with me? My name's Ben Aspinall. And it's another one of our Retro Rewind episodes. We are returning to our York City teams of the 21st century that we've been very slowly building from the back. We've chosen our keepers and centre-backs. And by the end of the season, we will have a full starting line of each, who I believe are going to face off in a game of Wink Murder on the train from York to London, King's Cross. Is that right, Ben? It's absolutely correct. Um, standard class, so we can't afford first. But yeah, let's recap who we've chosen so far. So Ben's lineup is looking as follows. Nick Pope in goal, with centre-backs of Keith Lowe and John McComb. Very much a theme emerging in your team, Ben. We will see whether that continues today. You shut your mouth. Whereas my team, a little bit more uh, eclectic. More vibes, isn't it, your, your side so far? Yeah, it's got Super Alan Fettis in goal and Dave McGurk and Steve McNulty at centre-back. So we are going to be choosing a right-back and a left-back each today. In terms of the format, it's basically a draft situation. So we've got our little shortlists here. Someone will pick first and then the next person will pick after them. And it's the uh, ABBA, the ABBA format, isn't it, Ben? Because the uh, mm-hmm. person who picks second also picks third, and then it returns to the person who picked first. That's a very boring way of uh, of describing it, but yeah, very much the winner takes it all in this uh, in this context. There it is. I was yeah. waiting for the ABBA pun. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. And I believe it is you to go first this time, isn't it, Ben? That's absolutely correct, yep. So uh, I was first with the goalkeeper. Simon was first with his first choice centre-half. So therefore, I'm going to be first choice for my fullback. Quick point of order. I've been saying centre-back. You've been saying centre-half. Mm. Six legs, eight legs. Well, I'm partway through rereading Inverting the Pyramid. Mm-hmm. And centre-half can mean something different, actually. So are we mm. going? Are you going with the WM? Yeah, so yeah, I've got the same book. Uh, can't make it past the uh, bit about uh, Vienna. It's a very dry read, isn't it? But um... Isn't that just mid-year's autobiography? Yeah, that's one. <laughs> it's got a very, very interesting bit about the 1974 Dutch side in, in the middle for no reason, but yes. <laughs> but anyway, let's stick with centre-backs, shall we? Okay, centre-backs. Uh, we're happy with uh, full-backs. We're not going to go for um, inverted full-backs or uh, wide full-backs or wing-backs, in fact. Anything daft like that, we're happy with well, full-backs. Like, you could argue I've got a wide centre-back in the form of Steve McNulty, but um, hey. no, I, I think we will just stick with right-back and left-back. Uh, and fullbacks as the catch-all term. Marvellous. So, um, so yeah, now we got that admin out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. You've also got the privilege of deciding whether we choose right-backs or left-backs first. Well, I'm going to be a little bit controversial because I'm sure people listening to the pod right now are presuming that I will be going for a certain player who plays right-back. However, I'm not going to do so. My Ooh. first pick in the defensive fullback draft is going to be James Meredith right. at left back. Oh, what a hit! Chambers follow up from Meredith and York City are in front with four and a half minutes to go. James Meredith with his third goal for the club has turned this game around. Signed from Telford in the summer of 09 after playing against the Senior FA Trophy semi-final um, two legs uh, previously. Meredith was with us for uh, three full seasons, becoming something of a central midfielder towards the end of his time with York, and famously playing in that role 
uh, in the playoff run, didn't he? Especially doing very well in the um, final against Luton. I seem to recall him scoring a very important goal against Luton in the league at Kenilworth Road. But he's a player who I think um, started quite iffy. I think he had some difficulties settling into the side. He was very young at the time. Um, obviously, it's a big move from um, Conference North to the National League, or Conference National as it was then. And I think he very much grew into, into the season. He got over that early red card against Oxford, didn't he? And uh, by the end of his time at York City, he was um, arguably the best left-back in the league and he wasn't even playing in that position. He did leave in um, sad circumstances, didn't he? He turned a contract offer down from us to join Bradford on a, on a, on a free transfer. But I don't think anybody could have begrudged him that at that point in his career. You know, he'd done what he came here to do. He'd got York City promoted. And he went on to, you can't argue, a bigger club, albeit in the same division. And did very well with them, didn't he, Bradford? He did, um, I think he got into League One with them. Yeah. So a, a classy player. Seemed like a nice enough chap and polite young man. And I've got nothing but good memories of him. So uh, my left back is going to be James Meredith. Yeah, I am quite annoyed about that because I'd be unsurprised to hear that I also had him as my first choice left back. <laughs> yeah, just sort of reading up on the history. I mean, I think you summed him up well in terms of, you know, he was a, a great left back, but also showed his versatility in midfield. And yeah, he had that slightly rocky start, but... One thing I'd forgotten was so he was he was signed by Foyle for the 09-10 seasons, part of that mm-hmm. failed playoff campaign, and then obviously Mills took over the following season. At the end of the 2010-11 season, I had forgotten that Meredith actually rejected two contract offers that summer, yeah, um, and only finally accepted a third, and that was despite him having offers from the Football League and the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, I remember the Scottish offers. I distinctly remember that being the gossip around the uh, summer of 2011. Yeah, and he obviously went on to be a key player in that promotion campaign. You know, whether oh, yeah. we even get promoted without him is is an interesting question. So I think mm-hmm. it's good that we got that that final season out of him. And like you say, he went on to, to bigger and better things after that. Obviously, yeah, went to Bradford, got promoted to League One with them. He was actually named in the League One team of the season, 2016-17. Wow, I did not know that. I knew he'd done well over in uh, South Yorkshire, but, you know, I didn't know how personally how well he'd done. Yeah, and then obviously John Millwall in the championship where he was a regular again. And he was even part of the Australia squad for the 2018 World Cup. Although annoyingly wasn't in the uh, Panini sticker album, so <laughs> that was a bit of a shame. But yeah, I went on to have a great career. Like you said, I don't think anyone would have necessarily predicted that when he joined the club and in, in his first few appearances. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, cannot argue with, uh, with Meredith. Another testament to his quality, Simon, is not... These are obviously supposed to be celebrations of York players, but I don't think you can deny the fact that we really struggled to replace him, didn't we, in our first season back in, in League Two? I think it, by the end of it, uh, Jamal Fifield was, you know, trying to do a job there. We've all got opinions on Jamal, but he was a much better centre half than he was a fullback. And I saw, who was the lad that we signed? Was it Blanca? The, the lad who made about six appearances and disappeared. Blanca, isn't he in Street Fighter? I, but you know what? He might have been. Um, <laughs> Blanchette. Blanchett, I think that was his name, wasn't it? He who was not much, uh, not up to much. It's sad to say. Before I think Charlie Taylor felt came on loan, didn't he? From who would have been at Leeds at the time, wouldn't he? And then local lad, but didn't quite do as well as one hopes. So yeah, we seem to have left back problems. You know, after Meredith left for a good full season, that's just a testament to how good he was. It's a it's a problem position anyway. We're finding that one out right now uh, at time of recording still. But when you get a good one, it's very difficult to keep hold of them with uh, bigger clubs sniffing around all the time. So, 
yeah, Meredith was uh, a real gem. Yeah, that leaves me with a difficult job of choosing a, a different left back. I'm going to go for someone who only made eight appearances for the club. But okay. <laughs> they were quite important appearances. They included an FA Trophy final and a playoff final. Mm-hmm. So I am going to go for Ben Gibson. Oh, so it's okay when you select Chairman's son. Hey, Chairman's nephew, I think you'll find. Oh, damn it. Good point. You got me there. Wilmot was caught. And it'll be a free kick to Luton. And it's going to be a yellow card here as well for Gibson. Ben Gibson. The first York player shown the yellow card. Yeah, he came in on loan in February 2012. So that same promotion season. I think he was possibly initially signed sort of as competition for Meredith or, or as cover if Meredith was injured. But mm-hmm. what actually ended up happening was that Scott Kerr got injured and Mills decided to experiment with Meredith in midfield. And it was only really having Gibson there as a as a solid option at left back that allowed him to do that. Mm-hmm. He was only 19 when he came in, but he was already very composed, solid defensively. You could see he had a lot of potential. And he did actually miss the last two games of the season as well as the playoff semis after mm. he got sent off against Cambridge. But Mills brought him straight back in for the trophy final and the playoff final. So that just sort of showed what, what regard he was held in. Um, so yeah, not with the club for a long time, but but part of an important chapter. And again, much like Meredith, went on to, to greater things. Became a regular for Middlesbrough, helped them get promoted to the Premier League in 2016. The following year, he was called up to the England squad, um, although I don't think he actually made it onto the pitch. He'd sort of developed into more of a centre-back by that point in his career, I think. You know, he'd played left-back for us, but he sort of, yeah, developed into that left, left-footed left centre-half. Oh, I've said centre-half mm. there. <laughs> Slap on the wrist. And Sean Dyche signed him for Burnley in 2019. So, you know, if Sean Dyche is, is going to sign you, that's probably a, a vote of confidence that you're, you're pretty solid <laughs> at the back. Uh, didn't really work out there. So he moved on to Norwich, where again he helped them get promoted to the Premier League. So yeah, it's it's quite the CV for Ben there. So that is who I am quite happy to slot in at left back. Which also I think that means I can then have Meredith in midfield, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I know on our last recorded podcast we did talk about human cloning, but I didn't know it was going to extend to uh, to the retro episodes as well. No, unfortunately, Simon, you can't have Meredith in midfield. <sighs> That's a shame. I think the thing about Ben that was so impressive was. That you, you mentioned that he went on to have a, a, a career at centre-half. Oh, centre-back. <laughs> but he seemed to make the, the, the job at left-back look quite easy for us. Is that fair to say? He didn't seem troubled in um, the two finals that he played in, uh, you know, at Wembley in front of big crowds. It, you could tell that he was destined for much better things than our level, just by how easy he made even being slightly out of position look. I mean, it's a long time ago now, but that's the big memory I have, I have of Ben. He just looked so comfortable at the, the, you know, the level that we were playing at that you knew, oh, he's going to advance and he's got so much potential. If he's playing this well in this position now, a couple of years with better coaching, better facilities, you know, the sky was the limit. And, you know, he might, you know, he became a Premier League regular. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, before we move on to right-backs then, let's discuss who nearly made the cut for us mm-hmm. at left-back. I uh, took a good look at uh, Ben Davis, who played... Um, left back in the uh, crazy 2013-14 season. Did very well. Uh, the only thing that I think kept him out was just how good Meredith was in that position. But Davis was also part of that, you know, cult status defence of Davis, McCoomlow, Oibandra and Pope. It's also, you know, if you're going to try and argue against yourself, 
whilst he was part of that incredible defence, he was also part of the unsettled defence in the first half of the season, considering that he was on loan with us for the full, you know, the full duration of, of uh, the 2013-14 year. So he obviously improved and he was very, very good for us. But I think he was good without being particularly, you know, exotic or exciting. So he's definitely part of the conversation. He went on to have really, you know, a really decent run. He's uh, that, that move to Liverpool during lockdown remains <laughs> a bit bizarre. But um, he, he was very much part of the discussion. I also want to give an honourable mention to an unlikely figure. Um, I don't think his entire City career was particularly glamorous, but um, for his purple patch in the 1920 season, I think David Ferguson's worth a mention. Yeah, And the number of assists that he got in that season and part of the attacking play at the left wing-back position um, was quite a turn for him. Obviously, he was part of a very unpopular and uh, underperforming York side towards the mid, uh, you know, late part of the um, the, te- the, de- the tens decade there. So um, for him to suddenly have this purple patch in the 1920 season, with this 3-5-2 that Steve Watson adopted, he was very much became um, our most important player. His form did fizzle out, and that's very fair to say. The, the assist did dry up. Uh, opposition managers worked out that if you stop Ferguson, you stopped York City. But until then, he did have a really good run. And uh, for, for memories of that particular season before, obviously, the, the world ended and um, COVID kicked in. Who knows what would have happened um, after that? And his form got moved to uh, a League Two club, didn't it, with, uh, with Hartlepool? So he was doing something right. Yeah, I mean, I had Ferguson as, a, as an honourable mention as well. I guess particularly mm-hmm. for that season. Yeah, we were a bit of a one-trick pony, but it kept working. You know, he'd give it to <laughs> Ferguson at wing-back and he'll put a cross into the near post and someone like Jordan Burrow will, will try and bundle it home. I think mm-hmm. he had something ridiculous, like 15 assists. You know, that's when the season was cut short. So, as we've said with the birds, you can't really argue with those numbers. Yeah. Um, was there anyone else you wanted to mention? Uh, oof. I mean, I enjoyed the time um, Nathan Pete got into that fight against Woking. But, <laughs> yeah, we've been a bit sparse, uh, sparse for left-backs the course of the 21st century, haven't we? Yeah, well, actually, the person I was going to pick until I had a last-minute change of heart was someone who hasn't been mentioned all so far, which is Wayne Hall. Ah, yeah, true. Yeah, he bleeds into the 21st century, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? He's more of a 90s player. actually spans the 80s, 90s, and 2000s for his time at the the club. Very much a one-club man, although, you know, he did have (laughs) a brief time at other clubs before and after. But, yeah, obviously a cult hero. I remember him from the 90s. Everyone knows about the the winning penalty in 93, but, yeah, he was a very decent player. Him and and Andy McMillan on the other side were important part of... um, of that early and mid-90s success. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he wasn't really a regular towards the end. He was definitely more more of a 90s player. So I think choosing him in this 21st century team would have been a little bit against the spirit of it. Mm. Although I, I do remember one highlight from the year 2000 was his testimonial against Middlesbrough. Because uh, I remember there were Wayne Hall face masks being handed out to fans. Because um, <laughs> they thought, you know, the best way to, to celebrate his time at the club would be for him to be stared back at by thousands of, of people holding his own face. Mm. So would this be an appropriate time to tell my brother's Wayne Hall story? I mean, we can run it past our lawyers, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Uh, my eldest brother on his honeymoon in the spring of 99, uh, he went to Barcelona um, as a um, English f- uh, fan of uh, of Barcelona due to the El Tell years, leaving his hotel room, uh, wearing his York City shirt. Who was who did he bump into other than the York City uh, fullback? Mark Maley. Uh, <laughs> no, Wayne Hall was staying in the same hotel. Uh, awkwardly, this was uh, the season that we got relegated from Division 2 into Division 3. So, you know, spirits weren't exactly high, but 
my brother does tell me a story of Wayne looking up and seeing a replica Yorkshire, looking at him, staring back at him hundreds of miles away from home and just looking completely terrified. But they became friends in the resort and um, stayed in touch for a few years afterwards. You know, my oldest brother, Daryl, spending time with uh, Wayne's kids and family and such. So it was a nice little story. But yes, uh, no, trying to get away from a wretched season that saw relegation. The first thing you see in a sunny holiday resort, practically work uniform staring back at you. So uh, bless him for still giving my brother the time of day. But yeah, should we move on to the right backs then? Mm-hmm. So it's my turn to go first then, isn't it? Mm. I'm probably not going to surprise too many people by choosing Lanre <laughs> Oyebanjo. And unfortunately, I am putting another spanner in the works of your attempt to create the 2013-14 playoff side. <laughs> I presume that you're picking him based off the form he showed in the 16-17 return season. Well, we'll come on to that. But, um... <laughs> We're in the last minute of the 90. Kisuk again. Oh, really, Banjo again for you. Not for the first time with a crucial interception. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him way back in our very first episode where we mm. uh, we covered the playoff final against Luton in 2012. And I think we both agreed he was probably man of the match in that game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he joined us from Histon in 2011 and was really impressive in that first promotion season. Again, like Meredith, not just playing at fullback, but also slotting into midfield when needed. I think he started in midfield in, in the playoff final and, and had switched to right back. Yep. Had lots of pace and energy. He was good on the ball, but he was also really solid defensively. Again, harking back to that Luton game, there was the, the two blocks, sort of last-ditch defending, um, that, that were crucial. So, yeah, just a, an excellent all-round right-back. Mm. Obviously, two further seasons with the club, and in that 13-14 season, um, he did win Club Man of the Year. So, you know, really consistent performer. Sad that he had to leave at that point, and... Really, his career never quite became what it might have been. I think he, he had trouble with injury. Came mm-hmm. back to us in 2016 where, you know, he wasn't that old, but it, it really didn't work out. I think he only made a handful of appearances, didn't he? He's still only 33 now, so, you know. Well, he's an accountant now, isn't he? So I think he's doing um, doing very well for himself. But yeah, I, I'm very pleased to to put Oyebanjo as my right back. A, a great choice, a very obvious choice, but there's no shame in that. Oyebanjo was fantastic. I really... Got really fond memories of him. The first time I saw him play for York was a pre-season friendly away at Quorn near Loughborough <laughs> on a weird pre-season tour that Gary Mills had organised. Is that what inspired you to give up meat? That was the exact moment, especially when uh, Oi Banjo was playing right back, cut inside onto his left foot and smashed it into the top corner from 30 yards. That was the moment I knew that I would never eat flesh again. <laughs> he, was a, he was an absolute quality player. It's telling, isn't it, that um, out of the beloved 2012 playoff team or squad, however you want to refer to it. Oyabanjo is the only real survivor who played in the 2014 playoff run. That's Have I got that correct? I can't think of anyone else. Um, no, I think you're right in terms of someone yeah. who would have played regularly. And also telling that he was also back in his favoured uh, you know, right-back position as opposed to play, uh, being in the field. I, I was, I remember after the playoff defeat against Fleetwood being particularly gutted about you know the fact that this run had come to an end. But also worried about the decimation of our team. You kind of felt like it was a moment of magic, you know, this moment that come out of nowhere to go on this run and to get into the playoffs. And it could all go wrong, at, you know, with one player leaving, never mind Nick Pope going and Oyabanjo and, and so forth. I was expecting Pope to go back to his parent club and probably go to a better club than us on loan. I wasn't expecting Berry, but there we go. But Oyabanjo, when he went and he went, he went to a Southern team and he went to Crawley in League One and he kind of went, I expected that. 
but I was still really gutted because I thought maybe he liked York, maybe he wanted to stay up north, but no, clearly he wanted to return down south. He can't be good, Jim, that. But I remember being very gutted that he went to, you know, Creepy Crawley with their money and then ended up getting relegated anyway the season after. So, so, so to add to what you said there, it's not so much a waste because I'm sure he's had a very good career. But I remember being very disappointed that transfer happened. So who are you going for at right back? There's, there's plenty of options. Um, I'm sure some of these are going to come up during our honourable mentions. I think there's two obvious candidates uh, and I'm going to go for the more surprising one. Um, I think people might raise their eyebrows up. I'm going to go for Ben Perkis. Perkis is ball in. Oh, and a terrible error from the goalkeeper. He has gifted York a route back in this match. A horror moment for Ryan Clark. And hope for York City. Now, uh, obviously, Ben was with us for um, a good uh, three years after his loan spell from, I think it was Gainsborough, wasn't it? Uh, came for 100, I mean, 120, 120 appearances is a, is a fine total. He wasn't particularly uh, a glamorous player, but I always thought of him as a very solid right back, ever reliable. I don't think he was too much in, in terms, you know, getting assists and whatnot, but I always thought of him as part of that defensive foil ball that he either loved or hate. He was a key part of it, wasn't he? Um, I know uh, Parslow kind of subbed in for him now and again, but Perkis, I would say, was definitely the first choice right back during his time at York City. He also got um, one of the more bizarre assists that I've ever seen for York City, which was the, um, the the goal against Oxford in the playoff final at Wembley when his cross was fumbled into the net. Hey, but the old count. I think he was a very solid, reliable right back and he wasn't properly replaced until your your choice, Lanmero Banjo, came in. Yeah, he said that's a surprising choice, but I did have him as my second choice as well. Oh, fair enough, yeah. What I liked about Perkis, setting aside the footballing ability, is he's one of those unconventional footballers who actually mm-hmm. was doing a degree at the same time. He was studying <laughs> for a degree in law and French. Um, and I think he was even wow. he even had to go uh, over to France as part of that and, and come back for the odd Gainsborough game, you know, when they had an injury crisis. So. No doubt taking Sangari as his translator. Well, possibly. But yeah, I think you may be doing a little bit of a disservice saying he was just solid. I think he had decent delivery on him. And he, I think he did pop up with a few assists. But yeah... Um, Definitely a part of that very solid foil back line. Mm. And I mean, yeah, he joined in 06 or 07. One interesting thing is that he he was, you know, he made the right back position his own at the end of that season, but he missed the Morecambe semi finals, mm. which, which led to me getting a quiz question wrong a few episodes again, didn't it? Because uh, <laughs> if he's playing in that game, do Morecambe score that, uh, that goal that Anthony Lloyd fails to clear? Who knows? But yeah, Perk is a, a good choice, I think, there. And played for several years after he left in Leagues 1 and 2. Yep. Before, yeah, going on to be the uh, PFA chairman, was he? I believe he was uh, chairperson for the, for the PFA. I don't have his Wikipedia open in front of me, but that definitely rings a bell. He, he definitely was involved in some sort of, uh, you know, front-facing speaking role involving other players. Yeah, it says here, former chairman of the PFA. Mm. Uh, and obviously part of a, a power couple with the political journalist <laughs> Marina Perkis now as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that goal against Oxford that he most, you know, that he assisted is, assisted is the first thing I think of when I see her retweeted onto my timeline. I don't know why. Yeah, so I had him as my second choice. My honourable mentions, I had Darren Edmondson, mm. who I think was often a good part of not particularly good teams. Yeah. I think the o two o three season under Dolan, where we sort of had a failed playoff campaign, he was a key part of that. 
obviously had him at wing back on one side and, and Potter on the other. And I always thought Edmondson was slightly the better of the two, uh, a bit more solid. But also, you know, he could make attacking contributions as well. I remember this season after uh, under Brass, he had a little purple patch of scoring some goals, I think, didn't he? Yeah, but the only thing I'd say against uh, Edmond is that he did leave in rather acrimonious circumstances, didn't he, unfortunately? Yeah, I guess so, um, and especially having been club captain as well. Uh, my other honourable mention was Ryan Fallerfield. Yeah, he was my honourable mention as well. I thought about putting him as my second choice, actually. It was between him and Perkis. Um, the reason I didn't really, well, partly because he's only been at the club a season and a half, and Unfortunately for him, we haven't been that good in that time, which I don't think is his fault, but you'll mm. notice a theme. A lot of the players we pick have been in a you know, promotion campaign or a playoff campaign. You know, They've had some some highs in their time at the club, uh, whereas Fallerfield has, has very much been sort of a bright spot in a, in a less bright time for the club. And also because I think he works best as a wing-back, whereas we're uh, going for a flat-back four, I think, aren't we? When he's given that freedom to get up and down and, and use all that energy... I think that's really where he thrives. I mean, we've seen him popping up with goals and assists this season. Yeah, I'd agree with you completely. Everything you said about that, uh, Ryan, there is accurate. He just needs a little bit more time to solidify his status as um, a York player for the ages. Helps that he's a local lad, of course. I think it always comes into play when discussing this sort of thing. He's going for a really good purple patch at the time of recording. He's possibly second name on the team sheet after Akinyemi, I'd argue. I slightly disagree with you minorly. So I think he's as good right back as he is as he is right wing back. I think he's versatile enough to be potentially fantastic in both positions. And the fact that he's uh, you know he's the captain behind uh, Lenny as well. Really, really important part of the squad. Um, I really hope we keep him for a few more years, and I hope he wants to be part of this because if if York City's on the up, I think he has the ability ability to be part of it. He's played in the league previously, has he not with Harrogate? So he can do it. Yeah, I'd love it. To, I'd love him to be the. Uh, the right back as we uh, march forward back into the football league under the uh, the current regime definitely would have been a worthy pick but yeah as it is that rounds out our selections at fullback so just to recap our lineups as they are now then so ben you've got nick pope in goal reading right to left you have ben perkis at right back keith lowe and john mccomb center backs and james meredith at left back mm-hmm. i've got alan fettis in goal my right back is Lamre Oyabanjo. Centre backs Dave McGurk and Steve McNulty. And then at left back, I have Ben Gibson. Teams both shaping up quite nicely, I think. Not quite mm-hmm. as much of a 2013 14 feel about your team now. Are you happy with it? I am, actually. Um, it's got a, I, I had the potential to be cliche and go for the, the 13 14 backline, didn't I? But no, I'm happy with the mix now. Um, I'm happy to include Meredith. But now you've got me thinking had we kept Meredith for two more years and been part of that playoff run? Hmm. With Oyabanjo on the other side. Something to keep me up at night, I think. Another what if in a long history of York City. But yeah, next time we do this, we will move on to midfielders. And I think what we're going to do is do a 4 3 3. Because looking at the players available, there's a lot of players who you might class as wingers, but you might class as wide forwards. And I think 4 3 3 is going to allow us to to slot those guys in a bit better. It's no worse than a team of the day or team of the weekend that you see in a non league paper when it's a, a 2 3 5. Kicking an old school formation. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Garth Crooks' team of the week, where he's got like <laughs> Mo Salah in defensive midfield or something. Yeah, yeah. And I did put the question out to Twitter of who everyone thought our best right back and left back would be. A lot of 
mentions for Oybanjo and Meredith, unsurprisingly. But there were a few <laughs> more names, including some that we haven't covered. So let's take okay. a look here. Um, so we've got a tweet here from J286, who says, Obvs, it's Banj and Mez. But most surprisingly good right back for me was Chaloner. Really shouldn't have worked, but somehow did. I think most were underwhelmed when he signed as a midfielder. If you'd have told us then he'd play a major role at right back, we'd have thought Mills had lost his mind. <laughs> I think that's true. I think he'd he'd had a fairly unspectacular career at conference level as a midfielder. Mm. Um, so yeah, when we suddenly decided to switch him to right back, uh, yeah, I don't think I was convinced, but yeah, became a key key part of that side and really really stepped up to the plate in an unfamiliar role. Yeah, yeah, it was very much a purple patch for Chaloner as well, wasn't it? I just think. It's not his fault per se, but the step up to League Two was kind of a big old leap for the lad. He was playing out of position clearly, but doing well at conference level. To go up against better players in League Two, I don't think he was as good. But, you know, that's no slight on him. He'd done his job for York. He'd got us promoted. Also, no fault of his own again. He did get injured in the playoff final, so he wasn't part of that spectacular match. But still fond memories of him. Um, I love the fact we signed him after beating Kettering 5-1, which I think I mentioned on this week's pod. So here's hoping we have a bit of a repeat of that with uh, young Chadwick who's come to the club. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, seeing a player play so well against us that we just pinch him. The proper York City way. Chipsy YCFC said, Right back, 2013-14 Banjo is the peak of City right backs in the last 24 years. Mentions in dispatches to Fallowfield, Ben Perkis, Down Edmondson, John Chaloner. Left back is Mez. Mentions in dispatches again to Ben Gibson for the composure uh, and also Potter. Ben Robinson said, Banjo and Meredith, podcast ends. I mean, we could have done it that way, couldn't we? <laughs> this probably should have done, to be honest with you. James Richardson said, as well as those previously mentioned, Luke O'Neill, who I think was on loan from Burnley. More right-back candidates than left where Meredith stands out. Um, and another one that's just popped up from Firthy1983, who was talking about Luke O'Neill, who says he won't appear in many lists of best fullbacks, but honorary mention outside the obvious names is Luke O'Neill. I thought mm-hmm. he was a really good player, and he's gone on to have a solid career. Take a look at the highlights from the 4-1 win over Scunthorpe that season. Yes, uh, he was part of that 13-14 season, wasn't he? And um, the issue is that when you think of that in a romantic sense, you do think of Oyabanjo at right-back. But I do recall O'Neill playing right-back with Oyabanjo pushed onto the right wing sometimes. Promise, I, I, I just don't quite remember the, the individual performances that would make me rethink my choice. But Luke O'Neill was definitely a solid choice. And the fact that he went on to have such a good career is, is telling as well. We'll be uh, parking this for a few uh, a few weeks, if not a month or two, and, and come back when we've uh, fully soaked up the various midfield players that have pulled on a jersey for York City to, to discuss our midfield three, which I'm really looking forward to. But yes, as ever, thanks very much for listening to Same Old City. Until next time, keep the faith. Keep the faith.